Hey guys, it's Kia. We've been talking about how to hyper-focus your finances in order to get a little bit richer. But sometimes, life just gets in the way. So this episode, I'm talking about the impact physical and mental illnesses can have on our money. Joining me is Corinne Byrne, a PR manager at Legal & General. Corinne joined Legal & General this year, but before this, she worked at a company who reviewed and rated financial products where her work involved promoting insurance protection. Corinne is 33, and one awful day last year, she suddenly went numb from the waist down. Following this, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and has spent the last year adjusting to some big changes in terms of personal life, work life and finances. Corinne's done an excellent job adapting to all of this and she's joining me today to talk through her story, how this has impacted her life and what she'd do differently if she could go back. So Corinne, to kick things off, please could you talk me through the story of your diagnosis? Yeah, I can. One day I was having brunch with the girls, time of my life. And the next day, literally overnight, I woke up and I was completely numb from the waist down. Um, Both legs, like, straight away was like, that's not quite normal. (laughs) And it was like pins and needles, my feet felt dead. So as soon as I could, I got hold of my GP and I was really, really lucky that I had access to private healthcare through work. I was really lucky, got diagnosed very very quickly it was a long hard process you find out what's wrong and it feels like a bit of a journey and you don't really know what's going on and then you get your diagnosis and you sit in the office and they go it's multiple sclerosis and I sort of like he looked at me really odd because I was like okay fine because I was expecting it okay and then I got in the car and I my mum was there luckily and she was like are you okay (laughs) it's like no. <laughs> no, no, I mean... No, I'm not, because that's where the journey really starts and that's when the reality of the situation, because you're still kind of hoping that maybe I'm being dramatic. So that was kind of the start of all the changes was when I got that diagnosis and I realised quite quickly how much of an effect, not just feeling physically unwell, but the mental strain of having a diagnosis of an incurable disease. Like, I've been sick, but I've never been sick to be told that you're not going to get better from, like, this is with you for life. So it was the dealing with the implications of that is kind of what came next and was the the fun part, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) The challenging part, The the challenging part. So I can imagine that was a massive worry that you had to undertake. But how did this impact you financially? Were there changes that you had to make to your finances... Yeah, so it's one of those ones like you deal with the health. At this point, I'm still very much going through the motions of being numb from the waist down. It lasted about sort of, I think in total, I had the numbness and the pain for like six months. But it was that impact then that it had on work. So I'd worked really hard throughout my 20s to get to the point that I was in my career. You know, I'd gone from like an internship earning like no money all the way through to like earning like I was comfortable. I had a comfortable Mm -hmm. salary. I was starting to look at whether or not I wanted to buy a property, like start putting savings away and all of that. I just felt like I'd hit a brick wall. And that whole perspective of just like I was felt like I was soaring and then all of a sudden... I was like, <laughs> oh no, I can imagine coming back down to earth with like a big <laughs> bang, right? So, and financially, I had some savings, 
But I was like living my best life still. I was enjoying the disposable income that I had. So I had some money saved. I had like the bog standard three months of salary, like monthly salary saved up. But I very quickly realised I'm not well. I don't know how long I'm going to be unwell for. I don't know what recovery looks like. I'm very fortunate that I did get the function back in my lower body and I went into remission quite well. But I could have had really lasting effects and disability. At some points I was walking with a stick. That could have been something that I carried on and continued to do. So when it came to work, I just didn't know what that looked like, whether I needed to take time off. I also had to have a real sit down with myself and can I continue to do the job that I'm doing because one of the things that you get with multiple cirrhosis is fatigue which comes with it brain fog and it just meant that I was really suffering at work I couldn't find words in meetings and things like that so where I'd gone from well I mean I thought I was all right in my job before and all of a sudden I wasn't able to do the things that I could do before the disease was new to me so I didn't know whether this was a permanent feature or whether that was just how I was going to be functioning moving forward. Luckily, it sort of eased and the brain fog and I still get fatigue, but it it comes in waves. So I was worried that I wouldn't have an income from work. And I was worried that if I went on sick, if it was long term, whether I could live off statutory sick pay or how far my sick pay would stretch from work. But I was really lucky at the time that I worked for a really, really good company that made some adjustments for me that helped me work and keep the salary. And I was also extremely lucky with work that as part of the workplace benefits, I had a critical illness cover, which is a type of insurance against things like cancer and multisclerosis is one of the critical illnesses that is covered. So I got a lump payment from them that's really good really useful I'm sure yeah and I think what that did was that kind of financial worry and that fear of the unknown of what that future looked like it gave me a really good buffer so that I could continue to work and continue to forge that career path once I felt better but in an ideal situation because I had to work because I didn't have anything else other than that that workplace benefit you know I didn't have income protection so that I could have something where I could take six months off work and realistically that's what I should have done because I had the physical side of things and then the mental health side of things that came with the diagnosis not just the fatigue but also I was not in a great place mentally because my whole world had just been turned upside down so I had some things in place. I had an extremely good employer that sort of really helped and the critical illness really helped. But, you know, realistically, I wish I'd had a bit more there to sort of help and support me take the time that I needed to sort of recover and work out what my next steps were going to be as well. So, Karen, I just want to ask you, what were you doing for work before you had your diagnosis? Mm -hmm. And how was that impacted after you received your diagnosis? So I just started working in financial services and I'd been with the company for 
four years-ish. And I was like getting to that point where I was starting to look at what the next opportunities were going to be. Um, I was really, really career-minded and focused on sort of climbing that career ladder as well. And then you get hit with that diagnosis. And all of a sudden, that five-year plan is like ripped up. At some points, I thought that I'd have to leave my job completely, change career, do something part-time, do something easier um just to sort of so that I could focus on my health physical and mental health and when I went to work and they were really supportive and I was able to access the critical illness cover and sort of have that money and that backing it actually gave me the confidence to keep going full steam ahead let's stick to the five-year plan that I had for my career I felt more financially secure because I thought if it all goes wrong I when I do need to quit or I do need to go part-time or I need to take a job that's less money I kind of knew that I had a bit of like a financial buffer there mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have had without the critical illness and I started looking for jobs and I think this is where my outlook changed a little bit I'd sort of chased a salary and sort of gravitas and things like that with the jobs that I'd gone for before quite normal things but I wanted something that served with a bit more purpose and that resonated with me that's where I saw the job with legal and general PR manager I was like tick that's what I do it's in <laughs> financial services tick and then the part that I really liked was it was specifically working with protection insurance and I felt so passionately through my experience and being able to access the the cover that I had and also passionate about the fact that I could have had way more cover in place. I could have provided myself so much more support had I understood that those products were for me at that age in my 20s. It wasn't just life insurance and it's not just about like the worst, worst thing happening, but also supporting your lifestyle as you go along. The role really resonated with me and I was like, I absolutely want to do something because I feel like I've got a bit of a purpose. I'm on a bit of a soapbox with it. Well, I think that's amazing. I think, like you said, it's something that young people should know about. It isn't covered very often. Mm -mm. So off the back of that then, what took you by surprise? What's the, what's the thing that you don't realise until you're in this type of situation? I never thought that it would happen to me. And it sounds silly because my mum's got MS, but it's not hereditary. So really, I didn't think it was going to happen yeah, to course. me. Like, and you think that sickness and these kinds of things are for people that are like older than you, right? I was building my life. I wasn't expecting it to be shattered overnight. I'd gone through my 20s thinking I was invincible, you know, having a great time with all my friends, socialising, climbing the career ladder, doing everything that you're meant to do during those years. And I didn't think that I would get to like 30, 31 and that would be potentially could be the end of that kind of like climb. And I hadn't. And I don't know many people that do, especially when I talk to my friends. They don't think about what they would do if they got unwell or they weren't well enough to work. And it's not a comfortable thing to think about, the unexpected and planning for the worst. But me personally, I wish I had given that more thought you know I was lucky but if it happened at any other point or I was working for a different employer the outcome could have been really really different for me and I could have been really really stuck mm -hmm. um, and having three months salary saved up is great but it doesn't stretch very far <laughs> when you've got bills and rent and also just like life to to pay for as well that's that's the thing I think there's there's so many things to consider like you've mentioned that it's almost hard as she said, to see yourself in that situation. Yeah, you can't. Until you're in it, you can't. But 
I think that's the challenge you have to do with yourself, right? I think you do have to take that time to take stock and just say, okay, carpet gets pulled out from underneath me. What is my plan? What do I have in place to protect the lifestyle that I have today? And that accommodates and accounts for everything, not just financially, but like your mental health, your physical health. Like what do you have in place and what support systems do you have in place Mm -hmm. today that can support you if the worst happens. So start building some good habits, with like putting some money away and, you know, take stock of that. Don't just save the three months salary and leave it. Yes. Because as well, I'd based it on three months salary before I'd had like pay rises and things like that. So my lifestyle had moved on, but my savings were sort of stuck. So I was like, that's done. That's I've got this little pocket. I can carry on. And I never took stock and I never did things to continue to protect the life and the lifestyle that I was building and you do it in the hope that you'll never have to use it but I think if you can get these really good habits to think in those terms and while things are up don't wait until like I did where you're in that crisis point and then start thinking about these things because it's a little bit too late so do it while things are good and just like explore what products could help you protect your income and protect your lifestyle as well. So for you, you're in your early 30s and when you're young, it's really hard, like you said, to see yourself in any situation and to think that that could happen to you. So how would you like to see people's mindsets change here? Because I know your current line of work lines up with this. Most people are really, really comfortable with insuring your things. Like you get a phone, you have insurance. Your car, obviously, legal requirement to have insurance. We are so comfortable with insuring things. It's second nature. But for some reason, when it comes to ourselves, our body, our health, it's boring and we don't want to talk about it. I don't know whether or not, especially when you talk about like life insurance, obviously that's like the very worst and you don't want to talk about that because it feels morbid. But it's like what we were saying earlier about protecting the lifestyle that you're building and the life that you're building out for yourself. So I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see more conversation about how we protect ourselves and our lives against the unexpected happening. And a lot of these products, when you're younger, are a bit cheaper as well because sort of the risks are are lower. I mean, there'll always be like one person like me that's like, it happened to me, Um, pick me. But um, no, um, I just really want that mindset to change that it's not too expensive it's not too difficult to have these conversations and we are worth protecting and our lives are worth protecting like you said that is very key you know we we ensure our products for ourselves yeah it's very important so (laughs) I think that's a great point but I want to run off this episode though the way that I always do so I'm going to ask you what are three tips that you'd give to our listeners to help them get a little bit richer I think start habits, good financial habits early. Even when you're not earning a huge amount, start making savings, putting things away and planning for the unexpected. Not just like rainy day funds, but actually worst case scenario planning as well. And also look into insuring yourself in keeping your lifestyle going and look into things like income protection and critical illness cover. And I was really lucky that I had some workplace benefits, but check 
really do look it's great to have pizzas every Friday it's great to finish at four o'clock every Friday but actually look at the more boring benefits have a look at your pension have a look at sort of what life insurance is involved and also if there are any other benefits that come with that because a lot of the time you'll have access to things like counselling again like private diagnostics and private GPs and things have a look at like that boring paperwork pack that you get when you start a new job and you're really (laughs) excited and just take stock of what you've got in place and what might be missing from that as well so you're not just relying on the workplace benefits but what can you do and what products can you access on a personal level as well so just be mindful of all of your financial products I think is is key from early on so you build those habits that's a key point Corinne thank you so much for sharing your story it's been very insightful when you've shared some amazing tips so thank you so much whether you're in a similar position to Corinne or not I hope that this episode resonated with you if it did then please be sure to follow the podcast leave us a review and tell others who you think would be interested next week I'll be looking at student loans the different types how they can affect your finances and if you should repay them see you then